and I sang really hard. So I have tea because I got really into it. So last week, whoa, sorry. Oh, see, I knew that was going to happen. There we go. Last week, um, Michael was up here and he talked about um, being hopeful and, and making hope and that it's a choice that we have. And what that got me thinking about was like, wherever I am, does that mean that I just like blindly follow and hope that the person that is actually in charge knows where they're going? Or does it mean that I just, whatever I'm feeling or thinking, I just sit down, shut up and do my job, right? And I'm, my answer to that is no. <laughs> and so I'm going to spend and tell you why my answer to that is no, because there's, there's a skill that we're going to learn today. And so far, so far in the series, you know, I talked about how to lead yourself. And last week, Michael talked about being hopeful. And both of those things are skills that are about yourself. They are your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, right? And today we're going to do a different skill set. And it's a skill set that we use to solve problems. It's a skill set that we use when we're thinking creatively and for, for some of us, this skill set, it, it comes really, really naturally. For, for others of us, myself included, it's something that requires a lot of discipline and a lot of dedication. And that's, it's this skill. It's to think critically. Thinking critically is, is an essential leadership skill. And, and that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking all, all month long about how to be a leader, even if you're not the person in charge. Even if you're not the boss and you don't have the authority, how do we still lead. And we do that through thinking critically. And there's nothing more frustrating when you are on the job or volunteering on a team and the person who is in charge um, tells you no, right? They, they don't like your plans. They, they don't like your ideas. They don't want to go where you want to go. And it's from that place that we experience the most discouragement and disappointment and it's from that place that we usually have one of two reactions. One is to just blindly follow and say, yep, I'm just going to do whatever it is that you tell me to. Yes, sir. Off we go. Or you kind of get bitter and negative and cynical. And, and we're going to find um, the ability to think critically is going to be that third option right in the middle. Okay. But what, how do we learn to think critically? Like, when do we think critically? If I see a potential problem, you know, what am I supposed to do about it? You know, where do I go with this? And in order to come up with that solution, there's three different skills we're going to zoom through. And the first one is to learn to be observant. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a second and think about the job that you have now or a job you had in the past or a team that you're volunteering on. And maybe for me, I used to be a teacher, right? So when I would go and visit a different classroom, I would notice things like, there, this teacher has desks set up in rows. That's different from mine. Or this teacher has things up on the walls that are different than mine. And you notice when you visit something that's very similar to what you do, you notice what's different, right? And this is, it's crucial to critical thinking because you have to see what's happening around you. There's lots of clues. And the Apostle James, he said um, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think there's a way that you can apply that to this too. I think you can say, be, be quick to observe and be slow to be critical. Be quick to see what's happening, but be slow to be critical, like to criticize, okay? Because, because all around you are clues, clues that can help you see just past what's happening 
right now. And, and these clues will help you le learn and lean towards what is the wise thing to do right now, or what is the wise thing to say in this situation. And you can start to take those observations, and then you turn them into questions, right? You notice things, what's happening around you, and then you start to ask questions about it. And if you work at a restaurant, and then like you go and you visit a different restaurant, you start to notice what's different. Right? Like, why is the music at this level? Um, why are the lights turned down low? Or they have QR codes on the table instead of paper menus. I wonder if that works better. You know, they, they have a five-man team. We have a four-man team. I wonder why it's like that. And you start to ask questions. And when I, when I started here, I had lots and lots and lots of questions. <laughs> I, I've grown up all around the Midwest. I've been involved in lots of different churches. And when I came here, I had a lot of questions about why things are the way they are. I've been in churches that do Sunday school, and I thought, well, why don't we do Sunday school? Or I've been in churches where they do like four or five songs at the beginning, and I've wondered, why do we do three? Or, you know, like the, the whole way the Wright City campus was launched. Brand new to me. Like I've never been a part of a church that had their, their main service on a weeknight. And I had lots and lots and lots of questions. And when you start asking questions, you start learning why, right? And for me, I've learned, like, the things that we do here are done with a purpose, okay? People come first here. And, and I've learned this through asking questions. Like, we don't just do things for the sake of tradition. What we do, we do to inspire people to follow Jesus, or I've learned that to fulfill our vision of being a church for people who don't like church means that sometimes we purposefully think outside the box and do things in a different way because that's what works for the people we serve. And what makes asking questions a leadership quality is that leaders don't just criticize and whine about how things are done. They learn. And that's what this is. You will never learn until you learn to ask the good questions. Leaders don't look at things from a negative, complaining attitude. They, they bring a positive mindset, and they start to think critically about why things are the way they are. Um, leaders, leaders ask lots of questions, and why is it done this way? Is there a better way to do it? You know, what have we done in the past? Leaders ask questions, and sometimes when you ask questions, you can add to the conversation that's happening. And, and this leads us to the ability to connect the dots. So first we observe, and we see what's happening around us, and we notice how things are done, and we start to ask questions about them. Why is it like this? Who, you know, who else has done it this way? And then they take those observations and questions and start connecting the dots. Sometimes you'll find out, you know, like, they have no idea why they're doing it this way. They've just always done things this way. Or you'll find out, you know, like, the people that you're with, they have a very specific reason for doing things the way that they do. They, it is an important tradition for them. Or, you know, this is what made them successful. This is what made them profitable. This is based on the feedback they got. They now do things a certain way. And being critical and, like, complaining doesn't get you anywhere new. Um, standing back and complaining about how things are done doesn't help a situation. But learning to think critically will give you a much clearer picture. 
Um, for a lot of us, myself included, being critical comes naturally. It's really easy to see the problems. It's easy to, to point and go, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Or I see the track that person's going down, that's going to end in a train wreck. Okay? Thinking critically about the problem is a discipline. And, and this is where like the practical skill sets we're talking and, and the spiritual like come together to create a really amazing picture of what our lives can be like. Because believe it or not, Jesus actually did give us disciplines for how to think critically. And he taught us how to not get lost in the fog of the problems and, and the things that we see that are wrong, but to be able to see the bigger picture. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, the first one we're going to talk about that Jesus gave us is to find peace of mind. Okay, so what I want you to do, I want you to think about uh, a normal day for you. Like, you wake up and, and what happens? For, for a lot of us, our eyes open, and it is an instant list of 500 things that have to get done today, right? You wake up, and it's immediately, your first thought is, I got to get the kids up, I got to get them breakfast, I got to get them off to school, and then I have to get myself ready, and I need to remember to grab my laptop, because that has the presentation that I need to give today. But, or, or also, maybe you have gone back to school, and in addition to all of that, you have two essay papers due today, and a final due tomorrow that you haven't started to study for, because you want to switch careers, but in order to do that, you need more education, and then, after all of that is done, you pick up the kids and you didn't have time to make dinner, so you swing through a drive through on your way to a soccer game or a dance lesson. And then when that's done, you get everybody home, you crash into bed to fall asleep, wake up the next day, and do it all over again. And that is exhausting. <laughs> our lives are so, so busy. And our schedules are so jam-packed that our, we don't even have time to think about thinking critically. We haven't started to develop the skill set, right? We don't, we don't have time to observe, to question, to connect the dots as, as to why things are the way they are. For a lot of us, we stay in that, that panic autopilot. But it's that panicked, anxious autopilot mode that prevents us from making hope and becoming a critical thinker. And this is how, this is how we can... You cannot think critically. It is not a skill you can develop without being at peace spiritually. If you want to be a critical thinker and you want to lead yourself well and you want to lead the people around you well, you have to slow down. You have to give yourself time to find spiritual peace. Okay, because this is, this is exactly what Jesus did when he was here. Um, every story about Jesus that we know, every gospel that we've read, most 99% of these stories happened in a three-year time span. Jesus' ministry was about three years long. And so this meant three years. People were following him around because they, they desperately needed a healing. And they're following and they're waiting for a miracle. Or there are people coming around Jesus because they need advice and he was a wise teacher. And, and Jesus was inundated with people's needs and requests all the time. And he still found time to slow down. So we're going to start. There's a small story in Mark. If, if you ever want like a really quick, action-packed account of Jesus' life, Mark is the the best gospel. It is just like, bam, bam, bam. It's story after story. It's a really, it's a fun, quick read. So we're going to start with this story. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. So what happened was Jesus sent his apostles out 
And they went to go teach people. And they were talking to people and praying with people and doing all of this. And then when they came back, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that the apostles didn't even have time to eat. How many times has that been us? Where we're going and going and going and we don't have time to make dinner, so we're running through a drive-thru. Or work got crazy and we didn't have time to eat lunch. We just had to do a working lunch. Okay? Jesus still found time to slow down because he knew they needed it. And the really interesting part about this is right after the story. So, like, Jesus and the apostles found time to rest and eat. They found time to slow down. And then immediately after the next story is um, Jesus feeding 5,000 people with, like, five loaves of bread and two fish. So, like, he rested, did this amazing miracle. And then right after that is this. Immediately after this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people with just, like, this much food— Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat, head across the lake to Bethesda. Yep, I said that right. Sorry. Bethesda. (laughs) Uh, Bible names really trip me up a lot. So uh, he sent them off to Bethesda where he sent the people home. So he sends the disciples away. He's like, you need a break again. Go take a break. And then after telling everyone goodbye, Jesus went up to the hills by himself to pray. Jesus found time to make peace. He found time to carve out, to connect to his Father in heaven. He found peace not just by finding time to think, oh, you know, I need to think about thinking critically, or I need to think about finding peace. He found time to connect with his Father in heaven, because that is the space that we need in order for peace to come. You're not going to be rushing through that panic autopilot mode of a day, and all of a sudden, peace just explodes through the McDonald's drive-thru, and you're like, oh, everything's better. Like, you you have to find the time to carve it out and go, this is where I need to go by myself. I guess if you have a hill in your backyard, you could go full Jesus mode on this, and you could go up into the hill in your backyard and find time to pray and connect with your Father in heaven. Because if you don't, you'll never find the time to, to observe or question or connect the dots. Finding time to find spiritual peace with your Father in heaven is how you do that. And the second thing that we do to become better critical thinkers is to practice empathy. And to get us all on the same page, we're defining empathy as the ability to understand and share someone else's thoughts and feelings. The ability to understand and share someone else's thoughts and feelings. And one one way to practice empathy um, is to do this. It's to stop thinking like an employee and start thinking like the owner. And what do I mean by that? Most of the time when we're at work, or you're the parent that stays home with the kids, or you're having a relationship issue, or you have a situation you're upset about, we're only looking at how it affects us. We're only looking at how the situation affects me and how I see it. We don't think about the other people involved. And another way to say this is, when I'm critical, I'm only seeing things from my side. I know what works best for me. I know what would make my job easier. I know what would satisfy me. But a good leader doesn't just think about themselves. 
A good leader sees a much bigger picture and then takes the time to look at everything from all sides. They will think like the owner, the manager, the, the customer, the child, the, the co-workers, the other people. They look at it from every single perspective, not just their own. And Paul did this in his ministry like it was his full-on ministry strategy. And he explained it to um, the Corinthians. And he started off by saying, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So what he's saying is, even though I am my own person, to every person that I am, I am their servant. I am what they need me to be. And he explained this by saying, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. And then when he was with those who followed the Jewish law, He also lived like he was under that law, even though he wasn't. He was not subject to the law, but he did this so he could bring those to Christ who are under the law. And then, when he was with the Gentiles, who didn't follow the Jewish law, so when he was with the people who followed the Jewish law, he also followed Jewish law. When he was with the Gentiles, who did not, he did not, because he lived apart from the law so he could bring them to Christ. But I do, he doesn't ignore the law of God. He obeys the law of Christ. Next part is, when he is with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. To everyone he ministered to, he thought about where they were, what they saw. What were their thoughts? What were their feelings? What are their emotions? And and he adapted his thinking strategy to what they needed to hear and see. And when he, so like when he was with the people who lived under Jewish law, he also lived under the Jewish law. When, When he was with people who felt weak, he came from a position of weakness because he could empathize and see where they were coming from and say, I too have been here. I am with you. Now, if, if you're not a Christian, this is just a really smart way to think. It's a really good business strategy. It helps you see all those different angles. But when you're a Christian, it, it's different. Last week, Michael talked about Paul and said, Paul's number one concern was honoring God above all. All else, God must be honored. And, and for Paul, he didn't just do this to get it what he wanted. Like, it wasn't a manipulation strategy for him. It was the strategy he used to love people who were in a different position than he was. Who, who saw things differently. And, and people who were in a different seat on the bus, he sat there and said, I see where you are, I see where you're coming from, and I understand. And what that means for us is your... Your personal thoughts, feelings, and emotions, they're all still valid. Those are still yours. But but being empathetic and seeing things from all those different points of view is how you can have empathy for someone and still love and honor them, even if you disagree with them. And the last... The last critical thinking skill is this one. It's to... It goes right along with being empathetic. It's to be supportive. And there is, there is a tiny but huge, huge difference in, in being critical and thinking critically, okay? You can be critical of something or you can think critically about something, okay? And the big difference between the two of those is what is the motive? 
Someone who is critical usually does not care if you win or lose. They, they aren't motivated to build you up. In fact, most of the time, a critical person, they're complaining, will tear other people down. And, and critical people sound a lot like, you know, I'm I, if, sorry if you can't handle it. I'm just telling you the truth. Right? Critical people bring problems, not solutions. On the other hand, someone who who thinks critically, has the total opposite motive. They are observing and questioning and connecting the dots because they want to see everyone succeed. They want to build something better. They want to bring something up to a new level. They don't just see the problems, but they also present possible solutions. Okay, when... When I was a teacher, they used this illustration to describe like how to help a kid learn something. So let's say you're trying to teach a kid how to multiply for the first time. There are a lot of steps. It's a really difficult process that first time you're trying to teach a kid how to do something. So the job as a teacher is to show them all those steps and then become the scaffolding that holds it all in place. For every single step, they're learning how to do it, and as the teacher, my job is to support the whole structure that they're trying to build, right? And then slowly, step by step, as they learn to do it on their own, I would remove the scaffolding, step by step. Not all at once, because then it's just going to tear it down. But very slowly, what you've built, you can start to pull away. And someone who thinks critically can see what needs to be done and then offer to be that scaffolding for the project, for the company, for your coworker, for even for your own kids, right? Someone who thinks critically sees the same problems that a critical person sees, but while a critical person is just going to sit, kind of sit back and just go, yeah, that's a problem. Good luck. Like a, a critical thinker is going to say, let me step in and become part of the solution. Let me be part of the support that can hold this structure together. A person who thinks critically will speak to others with, with grace and kindness. They present possible solutions, and then they're willing to incorporate other people's ideas into theirs as well, because their motivation isn't just for me to succeed, it's for everyone to succeed. And the way we do this is to stop giving others a grade and start giving them a hand. We're really, really good. And this is myself included. We are really, really good at standing in the back and looking at something someone else is doing and, and giving them a grade. You did well. You get a B plus. Or that person really, really, really failed, and it was kind of funny. Like, that's why fail videos and, like, the, the compilations on YouTube, like, epic fails, that's why those are things. People like to stand back and just watch other people fail. But being supportive means you're going to step into the problem. Instead of being a finger pointer and going, oh, that's not going to work, you step into the problem to help be the solution. And, and as Christians, this, is, this one's non-negotiable for us. This is who we're called to be. We are called, we're called to be like God, right? And, and God is love. And Paul gave us a, a great definition for love. And we've read it before here, and we're going to read it again. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful 
or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. We are called to be people who are patient, to be people who are kind. When, when we're working with others and we're supporting them, we're not there to demand our way and our way only. We're not there to be easily irritable. We're not there to pass out scores or hand people grades as to how we feel they did. This, this doesn't mean that we can't say the difficult things, though. It doesn't mean that we just stand in the back and clap, even if you see a problem coming. It's okay, baby, you got it! Right? That's, that doesn't mean that we can't say the difficult things. It doesn't mean that we can't ask the difficult questions. What it means is, is we do so with this in mind. We do so with love in mind. Because when we have difficult things to say, or we have difficult questions to ask, if our motivation is to improve something and make it better, this is how we do it. Every word that comes out of our mouth and every action that we show people is meant to be done in love and done in a way that supports someone. So, if this is what we have to do, right? If we're meant to to be empathetic and to be supportive of people. I'm going to give you a couple of really quick ways that you can implement that, like with your kids at home, with, you know, the kids that you're at school with, with coworkers, with anyone. And the very first thing is to let the person you are with know that you are for them. Let, let them know that you want them to succeed. Sometimes people just need to hear it. They just need to hear that I am for you. I want to see you succeed. Okay? The second one is, if you see a problem, have a solution. Okay? This, is, this is something my dad taught me growing up. Uh, he told me, don't present a problem unless you are willing to be part of the solution. You may not have the solution, right? Sometimes you may not have it. It may not be in your head. But if you plan on presenting a problem to someone else... To, to your boss or to, to your group, you better be willing to be part of the solution because otherwise you're just criticizing, pointing fingers, and complaining. If you see a problem and you want something done about it, be willing to be part of the solution. And this last one, this last one is also something my dad taught me. This one is to keep your emotions in check. And I didn't like this one. When, when I was, that's my mom, that's my mom laughing because she knows um, that when I was in high school, I was a little bit of a drama queen. I, I would feel all the feels, Mike, you didn't even know me in high school. What are you amening me for? Amen. You're a woman. You must have been pretty emotional. It's true though. It's not wrong. So I, I would feel all the feels and I would get so worked up about things. And if I heard it once a year, I heard it four million times a year, my dad would tell me, Ashley, take the emotion out of it. And if there's anything that ramps me up more, it's someone telling me to stop being emotional, right? So my dad, my dad is here today and he gets to publicly hear me say, dad, you were right. Okay, and I'm not asking you to take my dad's word for it because for 15 years, I certainly did not. Okay, what I did was I am, I am a huge neuroscience nerd. Love learning about the brain, love learning about why it works and how it works. And unfortunately, I went on a really long journey to prove my dad wrong, and I did not. 
So from a specific neuroscience standpoint, I'm going to tell you why this is true, okay? When we enter a highly emotional state, what happens is it automatically turns on our vagus nerve system. And what this means is without any okay from you, your heart rate will increase, your respiratory rate will increase. All of these things happen in your body because you've entered a highly emotional state, okay? And when this happens, the rest of your brain stops communicating, okay? You are working totally and completely out of your emotional brain. And what it turns off is your frontal lobe right here. This is your prefrontal cortex. This right here is where you do all of your problem solving, all of your creative thinking, all of your critical thinking. All of that happens in the front. And when you're in your emotional brain, you are no longer talking to this part of your brain. It is turned off, okay? So if you're, if you're really emotional about something... You're not talking to the critical thinking part of your brain. And, and if you're really emotional about something and you're, you're just all worked up, it is not the time to, to talk to someone. This is the moment where you need to take a step back and go, I am not ready to talk about this in love. I am not ready for the words that come out of my mouth to be done in love. So this is where you take a step back and you go, I need to go find some of that spiritual peace. This is where, you know, if you're, if you're in an argument or you know you have a situation coming up or you're facing something at work, find that time to go up into the hills and, and connect with your spiritual father, your father in heaven, to create that peace that you know you need before you have to deal with this situation. This is how... We think critically in a way that benefits others, in a way that, that builds people up and doesn't tear them down. Because, like, it's, it's not our job to grade people. I mean, if there was anyone ever on the history of the earth who was, you know, qualified to grade people, it, it was Jesus, right? And he was, Jesus came, and he was the perfect, sinless son of God, and he still didn't come to grade us. Most of us know um, the verse, like John 3.16. You know, God sent his son into the world so that everyone who believes in him can have everlasting life. But the verse right after that, John 3.17, is one that not a lot of us have know as well. And it says this. It said, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So, if Jesus, perfect blameless, sinless Jesus didn't come to judge and grade us, then we're not called to judge and grade others either. We're not meant to be critical of other people. Jesus came to, to help people, to save people. And, and he was a critical thinker. But everything that he did and said was done in love. Even when he had to say the hard things, even when he had to do the difficult things, everything was done with love in mind, his words and his actions. And that's what we're meant to do as well. It's why we're talking about thinking critically. Because if we are the example of Jesus to the people around us, we should be the ones to add the most value to our teams. We, we should be the problem solvers, not the problem pointer-outers. Um, our motivation should be to see others succeed. 
Imagine if the next time a problem arose, instead of immediately jumping into the emotional part of your brain, you were able to, to calm down and keep those emotions in check. And you're able to observe and question and connect the dots because you've already spent time finding spiritual peace so that when those problems come at you, you're, you're already ready to go. You know, I have peace. I'm ready. Or imagine if you were able to have empathy and look at something from someone else's point of view and understand where they're coming from. And then to be able to create a plan that benefits everybody. Imagine if instead of pointing fingers and, and blaming and seeing problems, especially with, with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, instead of being a problem pointer outer, what would it look like to put your arm around someone and say, I see you and I hear you and I'm going to work right alongside with you. What would it look like if somebody did that for you? I see you, I hear you, and I'm working right alongside with you. You're not alone. We're going to do it together. It's a game changer. It is a game changer. I'm done kind of early, so I'm going to pray. We're going to get out of here. Okay? So, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that... We can come together and, and learn about, about a skill set that you have for us that can improve, improve our daily lives, Jesus. Thank you. And, and as we've learned, God, I pray that throughout this week that you can help us to observe what's happening around us. Help us to, to notice the things that are happening so that we can ask the good questions. Help us to observe, to question, and then to take those, to connect the dots and create a plan that, that is straight from you. Help us to be the creative problem solvers. And, and Lord, in order to do that, I pray this week that we can find time to connect with you. Help us to find time to connect spiritually with you, to create that peace that we need in order to be good critical thinkers. Help us to, as we're, as we're with other people, help us to see things from their point of view. Help us to have the empathy to, to see and understand their thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and to be able to help them from that place. And as we do that, help us to be supportive, to, to be the person who is motivated by seeing them succeed. And help us to do all of this with, with the motive of loving others and supporting others. Because that was your motivation. So help that to also be our motivation. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come together. Bless our week. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you guys for coming this morning and, and hanging out with me. Uh, just a reminder, I do run preteen night, and it's going to be a blast. So if you have a third, fourth, or fifth grader, doors open at 620. If you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, they can, cut, they can come and practice being a leader, and they show up at 6, and I will give them a job. So if you have a preteen, I will see you tonight. <laughs>